This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and it is not sponsored by anybody, apparently, I was reading the FanDuel read uh, for no reason for the last two months. Uh, this podcast is for the people. It is not for the money. Hopefully one day people will spread this around, pass it along to their friends. It will be so, so compelled to listen to this, and especially this one in particular, because I've got some good stuff about Dalton that you'll want to know. Without further ado, this is uh, the East Coast Offense Podcast, and I am joined by my co-host Dalton, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. And uh, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, been in recovery mode most of this week. I had a b- bunch of travel last week, as we alluded to. I, I did that live broadcast uh, for the first time. I was live on air talking about round two of the NFL draft. The show was an hour and 45 minutes um, in Sunnyvale, Yahoo's headquarters. It was intimidating, man. He had like an earpiece in, in my ear with like producers and like a bunch of producers and like all these bright lights and the makeup person showing up and like it's just... It was intimidating, but uh, all in all, I thought it went rel- relatively well. Yeah, you know, I did mean to watch it for a bit, and then I just totally forgot. Yeah, I know. You're, I mean, you, you aren't even you don't care about the NFL draft that much, but um, it was. Uh, it, it was, was, it was late at night too. I'm sure it was like you know after I went to sleep probably. Yeah, it was the middle of night for you. Yeah, yeah, but I um yeah I don't even follow college that closely, so I was a little worried about that. But I was able to make more generalities and what it meant for fantasy football and, and you know the NFL team, and I think um. I think actually it was fun, honestly, and, and it flew by um, once uh, once it started. And uh, yeah, it was it was certainly adrenaline pumping. And uh, yeah, I, know I had a lot of fun, and uh, I took your your advice to heart. And I um, I think it went all right. Well, good for you, man. Glad you enjoyed yourself. I appreciate it. So then, so then I I was gone Thursday, Friday, and then I I got up in Sunnyvale Saturday morning, uh, drove home, and. Uh, Said hi to the kids for five minutes, jumped in the shower, and then left for Reno for a bachelor party. So I, I was father of the year, uh, I would say. I, I was already gone for, for two and a half days, and I literally came home for five minutes, jumped in the shower, and then like a degenerate went to, to Reno for, for a bachelor party. So like I said, still recovering, not a lot of sleep over the weekend. Yeah, it doesn't get lower than a bachelor party in Reno either, right? I mean, that's just like bottom exactly. of the barrel. It's like, yeah, it's, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying Vegas. I'm saying we drove, you know. Uh, to Reno, uh, right. That's like disgusting, horrible things happen at bachelor parties. And now yours is in Reno. 
Yeah, I, I spent far too much money, and you're right. Oh, I, yeah, no Reno. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty bottom of the barrel. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. But uh, my my body's paying the price for it afterward. But yeah, exactly. It wasn't like I'm saying I flew to to Vegas, uh, which would be bad enough, mind you. But um, no, we drove three and a half hours in a cramped car to Reno of all places. But oh, oh well, good times. Whoever that is, the marriage will not last. I can assure you. <laughs> Probably not. So what's, right. uh, what else? So, so um, I got a couple other things real quick before okay, you, yep, you run sure. out. Um, so while I was in, in Reno, there was a, a fight. We like I'd like to talk boxing a little bit with you because I know you like it more than MMA. But I don't know if you follow this, but this guy Anthony Joshua knocked out Vladimir Klitschko. Klitschko's toward the end of the road. He's he's getting up there in age, but he had not been knocked out since 2004. And the the highlights of this fight is awesome. In round 11, he knocked Klitschko down twice, and then the ref had to step in. This Anthony Joshua guy is now 19-0 with 19 KOs. So we might finally have an interesting heavyweight boxer for the first time in, in a very long time. Even when Klitschko was dominating, he was just so boring. Just so boring. Down. Yeah, so, so boring. boring. Yeah. I saw some of those Joshua fights. Guy, this Joshua guy, I mean, obviously it'd be great if he had a couple rivals, you know, to dominate everyone. But at least it's interesting because, man, when I was a kid, the, the, the most excited I would get other than, like, the Super Bowl would be, you know, a big heavyweight fight. Tyson. And that just has happened. Yeah, exactly. Tyson, Holyfield, Riddick Bowe. All, all of them, Lex Lewis. Come but, on. Well, <laughs> for a brief period, that trilogy with, with Holyfield was actually quite interesting. But Lennox Lewis was really good. Um, obviously Tyson, of course, obviously. But anyway, this Anthony Joshua guy is um, he's definitely uh, interesting. Like I said, 19 0, 19 KOs, and, and he just really looked impressive over the weekend. And then coming up this Saturday, uh, Canelo Alvarez fights Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Saturday night, and that that could be interesting. Hopefully, it sets up a Triple G fight. Um, the Kentucky Derby is Saturday. There, there are two uh, playoff basketball games, including my Warriors. So pretty good sports day Saturday. Yeah, I forgot about the Derby. In about half an hour, I'm going on the XM show, and I, I, we're doing the Kentucky Derby draft. And I honestly have not even pulled up the web page yet. So I'm just going to obviously pick the favorites. But I think, I think yeah. we have a deal where you, pay, you get paid by everybody based on the odds now. So like, if you take a 4-1 to one favorite, then you get paid 40 bucks. But if you get a 21 favorite that wins, you get like 200 bucks. I'm sure it'll be scaled down for Trevor and Ivy because XM pays them so little. But, you know, whatever it is, it's like proportionate. So it's not like just a no-brainer. Oh, I got first pick. I'll take the big favorite, whoever the hell that is. Right. Now, that makes sense. That'd be fun. Yeah, you should do, try to do a little research, I, I would say. I'm, I haven't done any nah. myself, or I would let you know. But I, I'm going to the next couple of days because, obviously, I'm going to gamble on it. I mean, that's, that's the only reason to watch it. But, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a fun, fun pool, though. Yeah, it's just a way to waste time on the air. So uh, <laughs> what else you got? Um, not much. Uh, you, you can go ahead and, and start with you. I was just going to ask if you had any uh, Aaron Judge shares because I don't, and it's frustrating me. I do not have any. Uh, I thought he was just a strikeout machine. I didn't think he was going to have this kind of start. Um, but I'm not sweating it. I, I mean, I think he'll be good, but I'm not like, oh, this guy's going to be the next superstar. You know, I don't think he's just like a fluke. I think he could hit 35, 40 homers, but I'm not – I was more worried about Thames than uh, Judge, yeah. put it that way. No, me too. Yeah, it's tough to have a good batting average when you're that huge, that big of a strike zone, that big of a swing. But pretty impressive how much he's crushing the ball. But I'm with you with Thames, though. He, he's the guy that I'm far more upset with because I think he's going to finish with first-round value. But Judge Judge is definitely going to have a, a batting average issues. But, man, what, what kind of out of nowhere because at least Thames you know, knew uh, people, people – there were projection systems that really liked him. Judge mostly – I mean, everyone talked about his size, but, man, I bet his ADP was, like, really ridiculously low. Yeah, it's pretty weird this year. Like, there's a few players that if you picked up that were probably not drafted. Like, in my uh, NFBC online, I'm in second place in one of them. And 
I had Bumgarner and Cabrera were my first two picks. But I picked up Irvin Santana and Ryan Zimmerman, like, really early because I had a oh. lot of injuries. And I picked up uh, Andrew Triggs, and I drafted Greg Holland in, like, the 26th round. So it's like there's all these guys that are just coming out of absolute nowhere. I mean, if you ask me before the year, like, does Ryan Zimmerman have any upside? I would have been like, no, there's just no upside to Ryan Zimmerman. Or Irvin Santana, like, he's got no upside. Like, why would you even draft him in a 12-teamer? So... It's kind of interesting that there's a couple guys who had zero upside that are crushing it. The other guys, Yonder Alonso, I have in a couple places. Another no upside guy. That would be like if Joe Maurer started hitting home runs. I mean, it's like right. tr- it's truly bizarre. These guys were, you know, if Adrian Gonzalez started hitting home runs, we'd be like, what's going on here? I mean, those guys, you know, Zimmerman and Alonso were down there with like Adrian Gonzalez, even below Adrian Gonzalez. He was down there in the Maurer range. Yeah, no, and, and those guys you mentioned are literally the. Uh, I know Zimmerman's the number one fantasy player <clears throat> so far this year, and I think. Santana is either number one or number two. He's no, number one pitcher. Right. So both those guys. Those guys are, yeah. I mean, I'm not just saying they're doing well. They're literally the number one fantasy player and number one fantasy right. pitcher. And so, so I didn't get everything they did, obviously, because I picked them up like a week or two into the season. But, you know, I lost Bumgarner <laughs> and, and Cabrera, my other pick in the top two, missed 10 days and has, hasn't had a great start. So it doesn't matter. Like I've got, you know, a first and second round pick substituted in for them. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It makes you makes you wonder if it's all what 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 we're all doing, frankly. I mean, well, I mean, you know, there's just there's some randomness to it. But the other thing I want to ask you about is how are we doing in League of Leagues baseball? Uh, not well so far. It's not a good it's not a good start. Oh, but um, fucking terrible. What did you do? How did how are we doing in ERA, WHIP, and saves? Let me look real quick. Um, so we're in 12th out of 14, but I will say something interesting is happening is Jonah's in dead last. He's in 14th. So yeah, he, he was he, like interviewing the prime minister of Canada and stuff. So he's, I think he's just like gotten like caught up in, in that stuff. I don't no, even no, no, no. He's anymore. very into it. He's, he's trying to talk trade and he was very into it. He drafted baseball early. He, you know, he, he, Okay. Trust me, and that's then, not the case. Okay, <laughs> and then and then uh, I, I was pointing my I was pointing out that it's early. Is what I was pointing out. Jonah's team's good, and, and he's in. I mean, it, it's fine. Vlad uh, Sedler's trying to get us to right. trade um, for on base, but like I, I still feel like it's so early for us to like just to, to trade away baseball. So okay, ERA and WHIP were in first, and saves were in second. So okay, good. That is, right, well, that, that, that's, that's the key. Just get the hitting in order, man. I mean, I don't know why your hitting yeah. is so bad. Yeah, I know, I know, it's frustrating. I, I, I will look into it, but I, you don't think, I mean, in any way, we should like trade a good on base guy for like a different sport at this point, do you? No, I, no, I don't no, no, so. no way, no way. We, we got to wait right. at least another month. Yeah, I mean, Gary Sanchez killed us, got hurt right away. We'll get him back. Um, your boy Buxton has been has been awful, but if you actually look at our team, I, I think we're fine. There's yeah. just been slow starts by like Trevor Story, LeBayhu, um, uh, and, and I mean, I, my guy Peralta is doing well. So I think I think actually our team's fine. Okay. We have uh, David Dahlstash. We have, like I said, Sanchez coming back, and we're dominating the, the the ratio categories in pitching. So it's not like we're in a hole there. So we just need our, our bat our bats to uh to basically do what we expected. I'm not even anything better. I, I think we're fine. Okay. Next topic I have NFBC. I'm still first overall, though barely. I did not have a good night last night. Uh, it's tough when 479 people are chasing you. It's one thing to be in first place in your individual league and sweat, you know, falling out into second place. But when you got 479 teams chasing you, you know, any one thing that goes wrong is bad. 
Uh, I'm kind of pissed. I made one bad lineup decision. I sat Devin Travis, who scored four runs this week, instead of Jason Kipnis, who I should have sat. And now he's rained out. Kipnis had another an extra game. Supposed to play today was rained out. I am micromanaging the shit out of that because you get those biweekly moves, and I'm looking up yep. the starters. I'm looking up every possible thing I can. I'm agonizing over every move. And so far, besides that one mistake, I've done pretty well. That's one nice thing about getting off to a, a hot start. I mean, everyone's you know everyone's like, oh, it doesn't really matter if you do well in June or you do well in April. Um, but that's one nice thing about it is you're, you're motivated. Right. I mean, may, maybe you like that regardless. But if you're in first place overall, you're definitely looking at the, the pitchers Monday through Thursday and then, yeah. you know, as you said, Friday through Sunday extra. So that actually is an ancillary uh, benefit, right? That, that it, it just actually gives you more motivation to really be on top of it from the very beginning. I think so. I think, I think it happens all the time. Like sometimes you'll have guys go crazy in August and September and you'll go from like 10th to 4th and you'll be like, man. If I didn't if only check I had, out, right? If right. I didn't check out for like a couple of weeks in June, where I was just kind of like passively setting my lineups, you know, who knows what would have become of this team? Exactly. How much fab have you spent? Uh, like two hundred. I, I basically dropped like only three guys that I drafted. It's just so crazy. Like I had to drop Profar, and I dropped uh, Chad Cole, and which was good because he got destroyed right after I dropped him. And I dropped one other guy. I think I have twenty-seven of my thirty guys. I mean, I drafted Yonder Alonso and, and Joaquin Benoit in like twenty-nine and thirty. Right? Like I drafted Jet Bandy in like 24. You know, every, every one of my late, you know, I drafted Sonny Gray in like 25, who pitched okay, not great, but, you know, he's now finally back. Like I have all these that, guys. I haven't dropped anybody, basically. That's another benefit. I mean, it may sound obvious when I, when I say it, but it's like if you get off to a hot start, that means you're, you don't have a lot of guys that you need to drop or you're not, you know, you're not needing to make a ton of moves. So you're, suddenly you're in the middle of summer and you have uh, 95% of your fat. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's another benefit of the hot start is that you're not desperate to, to pick up this possible closer because your guy got shelled. You know what I mean? And so that's just another benefit of, of getting off to a, a very good start. Yeah, I mean, I have a problem that I want to drop Benoit because there's some players I like that are more useful to me. I've got three full-time closers and Benoit and Archie Bradley, right? Who, you know, if Rodney blows up one or two more times, maybe Archie Bradley's yeah. a closer. I might have five closers. And the problem is you can't trade him in that league. What do you do with yeah. five closers? Eventually, yeah. you've got to drop them. I mean, they're clogging up roster spots, and, you know, I have some injuries. Not, you know, Rich Hill and, you know, Tom Murphy and now Tony Walter. You know, I mean, I need some spots, right? Like, it's like you, you can't have, like, five closers and you can't use them all. Yeah, I, a lot of people think J.J. Hoover may take over that role, but I, I get your general point. What, what's the payout? Let me, ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think Steve Howe should have been named Phil Coke or J.J. Hoover? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, but I do know that the best uh, the headline uh, New York Post used was "Yankees high on Coke," is, is what they said when they uh, when they you know when they had full Coke. Yeah, but it's just funny that the Yankees had a left-handed reliever who was a, a serious cocaine addict, and then they had another left-handed reliever named Phil Coke. But I think J.J. Hoover is a, is good competition. You know, I used to do those whole things like you know, Tim Tebow should have been named Christian Ponder, Pete Rose should have been named Mookie Betts. And what was the other one? One of them was, yeah, Steve Howe should have been named Phil Coke. I had another one, though, that I came up with recently, and I forgot. Shit. I, just I do like one. the Mookie Betts one. I like the Mookie Betts. Betts. Yeah. Oh, how, how much does that pay overall? 150, 150,000? 125 only. Oh, that's all? <laughs> that's it. Well, good luck. Keep, keep us, I'm sure, I, I don't have to tell you to keep no. us updated. I'm sure you will. You will hear about it. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what else is going on? So uh, a couple other things. So, you know, we talked quickly about my uh, political thread that I wrote uh, last week that we didn't have time to get to. Obama got $400,000 to speak for a couple hours to in a healthcare care conference 
and it was uh, sponsored by Cantor Fitzgerald, which is a Wall Street trading firm. And all these liberals are like, what do you mean, man? Of course, he's, what is he going to do? Be a greeter at Walmart? He has to work. First off, he just signed like a, tw a $20 million book deal, like right, <laughs> right after he left. And so he's not hurting for the money. He doesn't need to do that. He could have said no. But to me, like, that is, is just such corruption. Do you, do you think, are you cool with that, him doing that speaking? Uh, I guess my answer to you would be just don't, isn't, doesn't, isn't that just so commonplace as everyone does it? I know that you, your expectations were, were set at a well, different level. Him, who, but by now, you mean, you mean like George Bush did it? Is that your standard? <laughs> like, is that like, is that what was that should be our standard? Like, because George, no, Bush I thought, it? I thought, are you Bill saying Clinton that, did it? Yeah, he did it. He did a lot. He and Hillary did it. Yeah, I know it's obviously disappointing to hear, but I feel like he's disappointed you far more above that and, and, and earlier. So I don't know why this takes you as a huge, comes as a huge surprise. Oh, it doesn't come as a surprise at all. I'm not saying it comes as a surprise. It's just further, further, you know, further I'm, I'm disappointment. Say, I'm saying, do you, I'm asking you a question. Do you agree that it is wrong for him to make those speeches? That it is a bad look and it is, it is part of why our system is corrupt? And yes, just, I agree with that. Okay. Yes, I agree with that statement. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and and my reason, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, what's, you know, he, he's allowed to make money. I mean, what do you think? And I'm saying, yeah, he's allowed to make money. Nobody minded that he got money for a book. Why? Because that publisher is probably going to make a profit on that. He's probably going to sell a lot of those books. And so he's offering something of value to the publisher that they're rewarding him for, which is, that's normal, right? That's, of course, if he wants to invent the next iPad or whatever and make money, that's great. I mean, we're not going to begrudge him that. But that would be him adding value, not getting paid for his public service, right? Those are two different things. Him writing a book is him adding value that they're going to sell books, right? It's not getting paid for playing ball with the banks, which he totally did. He didn't prosecute anybody. Um, but I think even more, I, I don't know that, you know, they don't really pay you for what you did because it's already been banked for them, no pun intended. But I think they... I think, what, I think what it does is if, if Obama takes the money, which he did, it says to the current and future office holders, hey, look what awaits you if you play ball. So, you know, you, you might be like, well, he's out of office. He can take the money now. But think about the message it is. It basically says, look, all you got to do is not prosecute us and bail out the banks and not the homeowners and do our bidding and not break us up. And here's what you get. And to me, that's the essence of corruption. And he knows it. He's smart. He actually knows that, that special interest money in politics is a huge problem. And yet he's perpetuating it. Doesn't give a fuck. You know, so to me, that's, that's bad. So I, I went on a uh, little bit of a, a rant about it. But let me ask you this. Do you think that if the guy on the other team, so to speak, Trump or whoever, Bush, does something really bad, and then your guy does something also bad, do you think you should be like, yeah, but they're doing it? Or you, you think you should be like, not. You, not. No, or, no, no, no. Or you think you should be like, who cares what team he's on? I, I, you, don't you lose your moral standing to like criticize Trump's corruption if you're okay with your guy's corruption? Of course, of course you can't. You can't behave that way. I mean, no. Yes, you've got to look at them each separately and 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 be be just as willing to criticize your quote unquote your team. Of course, more so because it, it's sort of like that's sort of what you that's sort of like your thing, right? It's like. Everyone's always like, yeah, but Russia's worse than the U.S. Yeah, maybe they are. But, like, you don't get a vote in Russia. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't have any knowledge or contacts. You, you can criticize the U.S. You can speak up about your own country. It's just, it's just weird how people point at the other side and be like, well, they're worse. So I'm not going to criticize my side until they get theirs. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you. If anything, it should be worse. If anything. Of course you I mean, should be harder on your own, on your yeah. own than on others. I mean, it's just uh, 
Anyway, it, that's annoying me, the way that people justify that. Ju- they're justifying get- corruption, and he's a fucking douche. Like, you know what he could have done? This is what's even worse, the opportunity cost. If he stands up and gets that offer and publicly says, you know what, I was just offered a lot of money from this investment bank to speak for an hour and say, well, you know, I'm a good speaker, but I'm not that good of a speaker. And basically, this is just is going to be a message to people you know, out, coming after me that, like, hey, if you play ball, this is what you get. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's bad policy. Hillary Clinton should have done it. And I don't think our office holders should be rewarded financially for their, quote, public service. If he said that, then the next Democrat would be really in a pickle before they took the money. They'd be like, shit, now I look really bad after Obama said that. He had right. like an opportunity to just kind of make it really much more difficult for other people to do it. What he actually did was made it a lot easier. Now everyone be like, well, Obama did it. Yeah, everyone, Obama everyone, did everyone it. likes Obama, you know. Right, right. And respects exactly. him. It's, it's just really, you really bad. Some, and people are justifying that back shit. And forth? Did you get in some good back and forth on Twitter? Yeah, I did. People were like fucking making stupid arguments. Like, well, it's no big deal. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, they, they just have such low standards, you know. So anyway, that was one thing. What else? So I, I teased this earlier in the pod, and uh, I, I don't want to not deliver. Um, a friend of mine was staying with me. I won't say her name because I don't want her to. I don't want to out her, but um, she told me a story that she had a bad stomach and she was on an airplane. And this is kind of uh, topical given the whole United thing. And she, the plane was a little delayed in taking off and she was in her seat and she was, her stomach was like rumbling badly. And she realized she wasn't going to be able to make it necessarily until it you know, got to altitude where you can use the bathroom. So she just got up and kind of pushed her way to the bathroom uh, and handled, started handling her business when... Uh, about five minutes later, like all like the flight attendants started pounding on the door, being like, you must be seated. We're going to have to bring this plane back if you don't get seated right now. She's only like halfway done and like horrible stomach pain. So she had to like take a while and they kept pounding. And they finally, when she got out, they like marched her off the plane, like not quite in the handcuffs, but almost and kicked her off the plane. Wow. So and, and so this, you know, and. and you're just like, not, I mean, it's probably some paranoid security reason. Like if someone's in the bathroom, they could have just waited 10 minutes. She would have been fine, right? And then everyone's so pissed at her because it's delaying the flight more. Um, and it's super embarrassing. She's like, you know, I wish, she said she wished she had, like, been convicted of, like, trying to, you know, set off a bomb rather than, like, what obviously happened, which is everyone knowing that she was trying to take a dump, right? It's like, so embarrassing for her. And then, of course, I told the story about you. Right. Okay. Go ahead. Well, go ahead and tell it again. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll tell it. All right, so so basically you and I were, you know, you, you came to L.A. to drive up to labor with me, and I had just gone Which to this is ro- Phoenix. It's a six-hour drive. Well, that's without traffic, so it's a long drive. It's a long drive, and we stopped by my house first. I picked you up at the airport, then we stopped at my house first, and I used to go to this raw food co-op, and I was like, yeah, you got to try this raw goat milk. This shit's so good. It's so nourishing and rich and delicious. And you, you're like lactose intolerant or something, right? And you, you thought because you can eat goat cheese that you could handle goat milk, which is not fermented. And you pounded a big sip, and you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. And then we get in the car. Not just a sip. You're like, drink that. It's good for you. Drink drink more (laughs) of that. Drink that. You're like forcing it, basically. It's like, all right, man. All right, all right, all right. All right. It's a superfood, you kept calling it. It is a a superfood, raw milk. So we we get in the car, and about about like an hour and a half later, we're still stuck in traffic. An hour later, we're stuck in traffic, like at the outskirts of east of L.A., 
And all of a sudden, you're like, dude, dude, you, you got to pull off the exit, man. I, I got to use the bathroom really bad. So we go to a gas station, and you're, like, scrambling around trying to find a bathroom. It's, like, out of order. You're, like, running to these, like, it's like the Chinese area of L.A. You're running to these, like, Chinese shops, and they're, like, telling you to go away. So you get back in the car, and we <laughs> drive around frantically. I find a public library. You run in there. It's, like, A-plus, right? That was, like, the greatest moment of your life when we found that public library. Come out. We're good. Then we go two hours to Palm Springs, have a you know, have like a dinner with some tacos and some other stuff. And then we go like another hour and a half out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, like East California, West Arizona. And you're like, dude, dude, you got to pull over, find a rest stop, pull over. And it's like this hut in the middle of nowhere in the desert at night. And it's terrifying. It's dark in that shit. And you're like, dude, you got to get my back. Right. What did you say? You're like, you're like, make sure nobody goes in and rapes you or something. It, I, yeah, just it was a pretty shady area, and I'm just like, yeah, just kind of make sure who goes in into this, you know, this rest stop that was awful to begin with. But yeah, I said something along those lines. Yeah, and so you go in, and like ten seconds after you go in, this van pulls up, and dude, who looks like Danny Trejo. I don't know if people know who Danny Trejo uh, is, but he's a scary looking dude. He comes up. I see he's got like kids in the back, so I'm like, ah, oh, he's fine. He's just like with his kids, but like his face looked pretty scary. And he comes in, and he starts walking toward that. <laughs> that bathroom that you're in in the dark and i'm thinking i'm cracking up i'm thinking oh my god dalton's gonna just I mean, you couldn't shit your pants because you're already i mean you're already doing that <laughs> but like you're just gonna fucking you know lose it and uh and i saw you come out like you know maybe a minute later and you your face looked shaken because obviously you and that dude had made eye contact in that in that place at some point and you just you look shaken like you like you looked like you had seen your own you know seen your own ending uh it was it was well worth it for me. Yeah, I wasn't happy with you. I said, dude, I, I thought you had my back. What, what's going on? What was I, I supposed to do? Like tackle back. that dude on the way to the restaurant? What was I supposed to do? Run in and warn <laughs> that you? That could have been bad. Uh, no, I know. You, you, you claim you saw where he came from with, with kids and everything was fine. But uh, yeah, that was just funny that you, well, I don't know. You could have, you know, at least, you know, I don't know, gone in the bathroom, you know, or at least around it. But you were just chilling in your car, like, you know, leaving me all on my own there. But uh, yeah, no, I was definitely shaken and I gave you a hard time and you, you couldn't stop laughing, and you still tell this story seven years later. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite stories. I told it to my friend after she told me her story. And because this podcast, it's always going to deliver good shitting stories. My, I had another friend who had a worse story. He was sick, and he was going to see his grandparents. He was like 25 on the way to Florida. And whenever it happened, like when they got to altitude and his ears popped, he was on this cold mist, and he just shit his pants. And he was in the window seat, and his plane had just taken off. It's like a two-and-a-half-hour flight. And he had to deal like that's that's worse, I think, than either one of yours. The person next to him had to deal, too. Well, yeah, no, he'd like get by those people, get to the bathroom, you know, wash everything off as best he could. Like, it's just terrible. That's awful. That's oh, anyway. this, this the one that threw the, the woman off. That wasn't United, was it? Uh, I think it was Delta, but I'm not positive crazy how much stuff has happened with them lately you hear about not only obviously the two incidents you know the the dragging and then the then the 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 stroller but they recently are are trying to figure out uh they they discovered a a large and i mean large dead rabbit at at the end of a a united flight it was like a very valuable giant rabbit right they're supposed to ship giant i mean we're talking like look like a german shepherd the pictures so that's just pretty crazy how many things just keep happening in a row with united airlines well, it's, you know, mon- monopolies were allowed to form in the last two administrations, and nobody really did anything about it. Bush, because, like, those people are all pro-corporations, and Obama, because he just doesn't believe in using power to actually 
do anything. He just lets, just kind of like let everything happen. And so between the two of them, there were massive airline mergers and consolidations. And now, like, if you want to fly from point A to point B, you, there's just really not a lot of good choices unless you want to do, like, you know, three layovers. So, right. they, you know, once, once a, a company becomes a monopoly, like, you see with, like, the cable company, like, how bad the service is. It just goes to shit because they, they don't have competition. I mean, that's, it's just the natural outcome of that. So one other thing I want to mention before we got, like, five more minutes um, so I've been doing a little research for football. I've been um, just doing the projections and writing this up. First of all, your Yahoo draft, I saw it. Like, you guys made some terrible picks. Like, Brandon Marshall? Who took Brandon Marshall in, like, the fifth round? Is that you? Uh, that would be me, yeah. Dude, you must think Eli's going to have, like, 40 touchdowns. They throw it a lot. I threw, like, 600 times last year. Yeah, but Eli had 6.7 YPA. They've got Beckham. Yeah. They've got Sterling it was, like, Shepard. Yeah, when did I take him? Let me look. But um, yeah, okay. So you, yeah, anyway, you didn't like. So no. You're a Giants guy, so you're really. I know he's coming off a down year, but I mean, he, you know, I mean, he, Marshall's. Uh, he should still be a big red zone threat, I would think. Maybe, but I mean, you know, how, again, like if if Beckham catches ten touchdowns and Shepard catches like six, and Evan Ingram catches like three or four, and the backs catch a couple, you know, I mean, unless Eli throws like thirty six touchdowns, you know, Marshall's. Ceiling is looking to be like 700 yards and eight touchdowns at best. Yeah, it was the it was the sixth round, and here are guys that went afterward like Bilal Powell, Cam Meredith, Willie Sneed. I mean, do you like those guys more? I mean, yeah, I mean Sneed in a PPR much more. You know, he's one of the top two guys in New Orleans. Yeah, okay, All right. but but anyway, it's half PPR. yeah, oh, it's half PPR. Yeah, that's a little different. But anyway, I was I was doing some research, and it's kind of crazy. Like you know, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones had 136 catches each in 2015, and you know, last year the league, the leading receiver was in receptions was Larry Fitzgerald, like 107 or something like that. But what changed also was, despite Danny Woodhead, Gio Bernard, Charles Sims, and Shane Vereen all getting hurt, uh, there were 11 running backs with 50 or more catches versus seven the year before. So I think like the NFL has just kind of changed so that like those receivers are just not getting, like everyone's like, oh, receiving was down, that'll bounce back, but. I think it may be changing where the receivers are not getting those little dink and dunks and the running backs are like they're deciding they've decided that like coming out of the backfield is easier to complete that pass than to get a guy out wide. Well, they say it's a copycat league, but you know who does that, who started that trend the most is the, the Patriots. Right. Well, I mean, he just James White is one of the, yeah, James White is one of the guys who had 50 plus catches last year. Yeah, they 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 really started that trend, and they obviously the Super Bowl. I mean, what do you have thirteen catches or whatever? So yeah, I mean, I I can totally see that that evolving even further. And you see the the running backs that were drafted too in this year's class. I I even saw some quotes basically saying that that yeah, to increase your percentage. I mean, even if it's just four or five yards, that's that's a successful running play. So yeah, I, I could actually see that trend continuing. I hear exactly what you're saying. It was Fitzgerald, by the way, who led the NFL in receiving. Do you realize he's had 109 and 107 catches the last two years, Larry Fitzgerald? Man, that's crazy. I, I mean, he's I, terrible. I, he doesn't do anything with it, but he, he just gets a lot of catches. He had yeah. you know, 9.6 yards per catch is nothing. But, uh, so you, you basically only had three receivers with 100 receptions last year, and you had way more uh, in 2015 and way higher. You know, they had 136 and Tony Brown. You, know, you have the rise of the super back, you know, David Johnson and Lev Bell, who just do everything. And then you have the rise of all these theoretics and James Whites and Bilal Powells who get all the short stuff. And I'm not sure those crazy receiver numbers are coming back because it was padded by the easy stuff. And the running backs, it's, the running backs are starting to take that over. 
But the thing is, it's not. There's still only like three running backs who do everything. Or Zeke doesn't even do everything. He just does enough, and he's in a great situation. So you know, when you look at the top of your draft, it's like okay, you got three guys who are really good, and you got Beckham who's dealing with Marshall, Shepard, and the rookie tight end in the first round now with a shitty quarterback and a terrible coach. Okay, then you're dealing with Antonio Brown who's got a QB who's on his last legs, can't play well on the road, gets hurt all the time, contemplated retirement. They had Martavis Bryant back. And, you know, Antonio Brown is not a big red zone guy. He scored 12 touchdowns last year, but it, he shouldn't have based on the usage. Then you look at Julio Jones, who's, like, got a lot of mileage. He's always beat up. He had 129 targets last year. He went way down. And he never scores touchdowns. So you, you go down the list. Mike Evans was just a total volume guy. He wasn't very good. They've added a lot more targets. There's, like, nobody you can trust beyond the top three. Yes. What, what do you make of that then? I mean, you just really, really like, I mean, I guess you spend a lot of money in an auction. I don't want to talk, we'll talk about Stopa later, but I, I mean, you just, you're just sell out to try to get one of those top picks in the, in the KDS and the NFC. That's you, you certainly want a top three pick. Is that basically what you're saying? I think you do want a top pick. You could get like a Melvin Gordon and, you know, and someone else like that who, who has upside, but they're very risky, you know, in sort of the ninth pick or something. Yeah. I'm still, it's still unclear if Melvin Gordon's even any good. I think he's good, and he has such a high usage rate. And I, I saw a note on RotoWire; they were like, you know, Brandon Oliver and Kenyon Barner are going to cut into his touches. And I'm like, those scrubs aren't going to do shit. They're only going to cut into his touches if he's hurt or needs the rest. He's, they're not going. They're not going to give those guys the ball at his expense. They used him heavily last year. They'll do it again. So I, I, I'm pretty confident in Gordon getting the workload if he can stay healthy. And I thought he was pretty good at for most points last year. And then I think like a lot of guys that are – I think it's key to get guys like Doug Baldwin, who I didn't like last year, and T.Y. Hilton and Demarius Thomas, just rock-solid guys because yeah. you really can't count on so many of them. No, I hear you. I mean, Gronkowski's always hurt. Uh, A.J. Green's coming off a, a down year. Jordy Nelson's an injury risk. I mean, what do you make of Des Bryant at this point? I Jordan mean, uh, Reed the, gets hurt. I mean, every, you know, yeah. everybody good is – it has some issue with him. There's just it's it's the most. So I think you know everyone's going to have their gambles middle middle of the draft, and everyone's going to find some gold on the waiver wire. I mean, there's just so, there's going to be so many random changes going on. So you just need that core of like three or four guys that you can count on all year, and then get all the lucky picks around them. That's going to be my strategy yeah. this year. Go really yeah. safe with my early picks, much more so than usual because everything's in such flux, and the way the NFL is, so many random guys are getting production. No, makes sense. All right, man. Uh, that's going to do it. Um, appreciate you talking, and uh, I'll talk to you on the XM show in a bit. All right. Later, Liz.